Hi everyone. This is Criterion Channel Surfing and I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Just a quick note before we begin today's show. Apologies again for getting these November episodes out so late in the month. An unexpected trip to the emergency room with a severely dislocated knee delayed the editing of this slate of episodes. So the episode you're about to hear today is more lightly edited than usual. You'll hear all of our ums and uhs, our stammers and repetitions. I am still really excited about all of the episodes I'm putting together from my November recording sessions. I have some great guests, and the conversations were really wonderful. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed speaking with Richard, Michael, and Matt. Thanks for listening, everyone. And now, here's the show. You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, The Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. In these follow-up episodes, my guests and I offer a few recommendations for films that fit our theme and are available on other streaming services. Richard Doyle, frequent contributor to the Criterion Reflections podcast, joins me to continue our conversation about political cinema. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, make sure to check out the Magic Lantern Podcast, hosted by Erica Long and Cole Roulaine, exploring the films we love and the things we love about them. The Magic Lantern is a film podcast hosted by Erica Long and Cole Roulaine devoted to sharing their enduring cinematic memories. Join them for an ongoing, informal discussion of the classic and contemporary films they love and the things they love about them. If you've been looking for a podcast to explore old and new favorites with fellow film lovers, you've come to the right place. New episodes every other Monday. Find out more at magiclanternpodcast.com. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at criterioncast.com. I'm here once again with Richard Doyle, frequent contributor to the Criterion Reflections podcast. Richard, thank you so much for continuing our conversation today. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. Well, on these follow-up episodes, we're going to talk about a few films on streaming services other than the Criterion channel that fit the month's theme. Richard and I already talked about political films that are currently streaming on the Criterion channel, so we're going to talk about a few other films that fit the theme that are on other streaming services. So before we dive into the films themselves, Richard, what are some of the other streaming services that you use? I tend to use a lot of streaming services because I tend to decide what I want to watch in advance. If it's on a streaming service, I, I tend to activate that service and use it and then mm. turn it back off again. But yeah. I'd say I, I use Netflix a lot. I've used Disney Plus, which doesn't seem to be stable even so far. <laughs> Amazon Prime is great. Although like, like a lot of these, the Canadian Amazon Prime is greatly reduced version of the American one. Mm. I use a Canadian only streaming service called Crave TV a lot, which is basically kind of Canada's HBO Max. More on the HBO. It's like a blend of HBO Max and Amazon Prime. It's like has a lot of the HBO content and also has channels like Amazon Prime does. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I use Hoopla and Canopy because they're free. <laughs> nice. And that's it's really good to know that you're able to get Hoopla and Canopy yes. up there as well. Yeah. 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 I find that those two services have a surprising number of really great films on them. I might be talking about one of those. 
Nice. Well, uh, let's just dive into the films. What's the first film that you want to talk about today? The first film I'd like to talk about is uh, Paul Schrader's Blue Collar, which mm. is available on Amazon Prime in the States. I, I checked this. Schrader, of course, is known like primarily as a screenwriter before uh, he becomes a director, having written Taxi Driver and uh, Rolling Thunder and a bunch of films, and Blue Collar as his directorial debut. And it stars Harvey Keitel, Richard Pryor in a fairly non-comedic role, and Yafit Kodo as three auto workers in Detroit, who all in sort of their own tough situation of trying to earn enough money to sustain themselves and not being terribly happy with the way their union is representing them, hatch a plot to rob their union office. Because Pryor has been in there lodging a complaint and sees that they have this big safe and it's poorly guarded and he thinks they'll get a lot of money. They break in and they rob the safe and they do not get money. There's barely any money in there at all, but what they get are books that seem to show that the union is engaged in illegal loans and they try to blackmail the union for some money. This movie is sort of ostensibly a crime film, but what it's more about, and especially the way the film ends up settling this dispute, it's about the way that the system is largely rigged against these guys. Hmm. <laughs> that the company does not have their interests at heart. The company will wants them to work and work under the worst conditions possible. Like the movie highlights over and over again how much the foreman won't let them stop working for even a few minutes. And how the union representation at that point in time is no is no better. And the two seem to be in collusion to keep these people exactly where they are. And essentially the film ends up being about how all these forces combine to turn these guys against each other and, and solve the, this dispute by making them essentially defeat each other. It's a searing film. <laughs> and apparently such a tough shoot that it almost made Paul Schrader quit directing. But I, but I think it's, it's a remarkable debut and a very, a very good film. Richard Pryor kind of stands out, although all of the lead performances are great, in a, in a non-comedic role. Yeah, this is one that has been on my list to watch for a long time now. Schrader is a filmmaker that has completely captivated me, and I think that he is doing just some incredible work. And yeah, this this is one that has has really, really been intriguing to me. I need to need to catch this one soon. Schrader's one of these guys who um, has a lot of films that are only so-so, but even his only so-so films are always kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find him just utterly captivating, and he's always he always has something compelling to try to say. Even if the film doesn't completely work, I feel like there's there are interesting ideas that he's exploring in the work. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. And the, the Richard Pryor of it all is something that has, has been really interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the first film that I am going to talk about is a more recent film. It is Bad Hair, directed by Justin Simeon from 2020. It is currently streaming on Hulu. And uh, this is a horror comedy you know, Justin Simeon is a filmmaker who likes to wear his politics on his sleeve. And I find that refreshing sometimes. 
I think that, uh, you know, his with his series, Dear White People, you have characters actively engaged in these very current conversations about class, about race, about politics, engaged in very real debates about what these issues mean to different people. And, and, and I appreciate that. I, I like that he, he is someone who's, who's actively trying to engage in the ideas within the text of his films. And Bad Hair feels like his attempt to play with those ideas within a genre format. Uh, it is the story of a young woman who works at a, a music video station that is in the process of undergoing new management. It is about the ways that black women are subjected to kind of white beauty standards. It's set in the eighties. So there's kind of a very eighties MTV vibe to a lot of the things that are going on. The young woman ends up getting a, a hair weave put in, but the hair weave uh, has dark properties associated with it and begins killing people. So uh, it has kind of a, a hair weave from hell features and it's fun. It's over the top. It's campy. And Justin Simeon himself has talked about how as a gay black man, he, he felt a real kinship to some of these, these questions of white standards for kind of the ways in which the white culture asks you to assimilate and the white culture asks you to, to change yourself in order to fit in. So it's, it, it has some really interesting ideas. I don't think it's entirely successful as we were talking, you were talking about with scrubbers when we were talking about criterion channel titles. I think that the ending kind of goes a little off the rails story-wise and plot-wise, and the special effects are a little too CGI for my taste. I don't think it has kind of the weight and solidity that you need to make the menace feel completely believable, but the performances are all really compelling. I think that the ideas are pretty well-developed throughout the film. And I think that the ways that Justin Simeon uses uh, his kind of jagged editing techniques to convey horror before we start getting into all the CGI uh, stuff allows for that building menace. I think that in, in so many modern horror films, they're so much more effective before we get to the monsters because, you know, CGI monsters just aren't as scary as practical effects are. Yeah. So I think he does a really good job of building that dread up until we actually start to get all of the the visual effects there. So it's fun. It's a, it's a really, really enjoyable little horror film that has more on its mind. And uh, I think it's, it's worth checking out for people that are interested in, in seeing these types of films. It's one to, to catch for people. I've heard very good things about that one. I haven't caught up with it yet, partly because it's on Hulu and it would cost, I have to go through some rigmarole to watch it, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I think, do you think this is worth talking about here? You know, with COVID hitting and all of these films that would have, you know, this premiered at Sundance and, you know, this would have had a slight, the a short theatrical run if COVID hadn't hit. We have so many films that are going directly to streaming platforms now. So this actually makes it harder for people in Canada to see this film then, right? Yeah. For this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You need to have a VPN to watch uh, Hulu. Ugh, that's that's obnoxious. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
Well, what is what is the second film that you uh, are going to talk about here? I'm also going to go for a lighter tone film that has something more in its mind. I'm going to go for Paul Bartel's Death Race 2000, which is available on Canopy. I am a very big fan of Bartel. He first got into the sort of the film business through Roger Corman's brother, Gene, who produced his first like mainstream, if you want to call it mainstream feature private parts, which is quite a good film. But uh, Gene introduced him to his brother, Roger, and Corman had bought the rights to this book, The Death Razor by Ib Melchior, who's best known as the writer of very strange little films like The Angry Red Planet. So Corman brought this script to Bartel, who said, this script is terrible. I can't do anything with it. So they got Charles Griffith, who is known as a writer on Twilight Zone and various wrote various films for Corman, including Little Shop of Horrors. And him and Bartel redid the screenplay to make the film into an extremely black comedy that's sort of a futuristic science fiction satire on government and various things. It's largely set in a totalitarian future where the biggest sport is the death race, where flamboyant racers compete to win this race, and they also get points for running over pedestrians as the race is run. And David Carradine is the most successful racer in this called Frank, named Frankenstein. Other racers in this film are played by uh, a pre-famed Sylvester Stallone. Mary Warrenov, who, of course, would later end up with Bartel in Eating Raoul. And Martin Cove, who would go on to be the bad guy in The Karate Kid. It's a very sort of exploitational, exploitationist kind of Roger Corman film, but it's got a lot on its mind. It's a very mm-hmm. ferociously black comedy, and I think it's a real little gem from this period where Bartel was trying to work inside the exploitation film industry and express his own viewpoint, which would later lead to him leaving that and making Eating Raoul on his own. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw Death Race 2000 when they had originally put the Roger Corman bundle up on Filmstruck. Oh, yeah. And I was shocked by how funny it was. Yes, yeah. But also like you were saying how much it has on its mind yeah how sharp the political commentary is this is a a film that is so pointed in its satire of government policies of the ways that we dehumanize life the ways that we devalue others uh, the ways that we turn violence and and the loss of life into entertainment and uh i mean it's just it's a really really it's a it's kind of a prescient film too yes it really is it's sort of it's one of those films like say network that seems absurd Mm -hmm. when it's made and you watch it years later and it seems so less absurd (laughs) yeah yeah it you know while it still is more over the top than where we are as as a as a society it doesn't feel like it's as absurd as it was back yeah, in the day, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think this is a this is a great film. And I and I do love that genre is a home to so many really interesting political ideas, right? Yeah. Corman's Corman's shop is like an interesting little factory of that because Corman, mm-hmm. you know, was a businessman and he would, you know, give people film assignments and essentially say, you know, it has to have this, this and this in it. If it has this, this, and this in it, I can sell it. But he didn't care what else they did beyond that. And he would find people who he thought were really talented who could make something interesting. 
and they just had to they had to fit the mold and so many of his films have little extras in it that you don't expect to find in films that are essentially supposed to put nudity and violence on the screen <laughs> yeah yeah and corman himself you know i i think of the intruder yeah the um the film that he directed that you know has shatner as a demagogue coming into town and riling up the populace to help stir up um, anti-integration efforts in this little town. You know, I'm impressed that he was able to direct something so, so compelling. And, you know, even though it still has those exploitation elements that were there at the time, he still made something that was that politically charged. Yeah, he was a man with very, well, is a man. I, I, keep, I keep wanting to to put him in his grave a little earlier since he's <laughs> not, not deceased yeah. yet. But I mean, he would make, he released, he saw opportunities where they were and he released cries and whispers and Fitzcarraldo and films yeah. like that in North America and Emmer Cord, yeah. I think too, you know, he had, he was a man of, uh, interest. He was a very interesting man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a death race. 2000 is a great, great choice for this and give something again, something a little lighter for people to, to look at here. I'm going to swing back to the heavy side here for my final film. Time, directed by Garrett Bradley from this year again, from 2020. And it is uh, streaming on Amazon Prime. You know, I I mentioned earlier uh, in our conversation that I find documentaries hit and miss, especially so many contemporary documentaries. So many of them are designed to either be a biographical portrait or they're designed to... Uh, teach us a lesson about an issue and they're using fancy graphics and it feels like they all come out of a, I don't know, a a cut and paste template that uh, they're following. And I find it refreshing when I can see a documentary that doesn't follow those same patterns and that uses the form in a way that is unique or, or, or uses it in a way that really suits the material. And Garrett Bradley's time is just absolutely gorgeous. This is a film that gutted me uh, when I watched it. It is the the story of Fox Rich. Uh, she is a, a woman whose husband was sent to prison for bank robbery. And uh, she has been struggling for nearly 20 years to get him out of prison. And also trying to keep her family together and to raise her children. It is just a, a really powerful portrait of this, this woman. She filmed a lot of the intervening years from the time that her husband went away to prison to the current day. She filmed a lot of that herself. So Bradley uses this archival footage and pairs it with current footage in ways that are really surprising in ways that are really poetic in the ways that they show the passage of time in the ways that they show the weight of the father's absence on the family. In one shot, we see a child getting ready to go to kindergarten in the next, we see him graduating from dental school. This juxtaposition of footage is just 
so powerful and it's this this masterful use of archival footage compared with the the contemporary footage that Bradley is shooting herself the ways in which Bradley uses just little things like the family has made a cardboard cutout of the father that they put in every home that they live in to have the father still be present he haunts the house and he haunts the spaces that he is absent from it's a gorgeous documentary the way she structures the film so that we get to know and care about this family we get to know and understand their sense of loss we get to understand what led to choices it's just it's it's compelling it's beautiful by the end the the final moments are just some of the the most beautiful that I have seen in documentaries emotions that are earned uh, rather than emotions where you feel like you've been manipulated by music tricks or by the ways a filmmaker will manipulate you with a clever trick of um, editing or, or framing everything feels earned based on how Bradley has led us to this point through the storytelling it's just a it's a gorgeous film that um, I think is probably one of the best documentaries I've seen this year and is one that I think is well worth seeing and I, I think that it it shows the weight of the American criminal justice system and the fundamental inequities that are baked in to it in a way that doesn't preach about it but in a way that just shows those inequities in a way that I think few fiction films would be able to do and in a way that a didactic examination of the criminal justice system couldn't either uh, because we we get to really sit with the the family rather than have a talking head tell us about why this is unfair we get to really see it so yeah, it's a it's really really great. I've never heard of this before, but I'm looking at this right now. This sounds this like it seems to have hit all of my buttons. This sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Again, this is one that I had heard about a little bit for some film festival coverage, and then uh, when I heard that it had just popped up on Amazon Prime, I said, "Okay, this is one that I need to try to catch as soon as I can." And uh, I watched it without thinking I was going to watch it for this uh, episode. And when I watched it, I said, "Nope, this is one that yeah. I have to talk about." So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this one is is really really fantastic. And for any Canadians listening, it's on Canadian Amazon too. So <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, on Canadian Amazon Prime. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for more political cinema, those are four more films to catch this month on other streaming services: Blue Collar by Paul Schrader on Amazon Prime, Bad Hair by Justin Simeon on Hulu. Death Race 2000 by Paul Bartel on Canopy, and Time by Garrett Bradley on Amazon Prime. Richard, once again, thank you so much for joining me for this uh, collection of episodes. I really appreciate you taking the time for this conversation. This has been really fun. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed myself immensely. Thank you. Uh, well, where can people find you online? I am on Facebook, where I review just about everything I ever watched. I'm on Letterboxd, where I post the same reviews. <laughs> Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. This has been great. All right. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at criterionchannelsurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of Criterion Cast at patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener supported, so please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash Josh Hornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show. And for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to continue to thank all of our regular Patreon supporters. Your support really does mean so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, my guest and I will sit down to discuss December's new and expiring titles. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.